I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg, the author of 16 books and counting. She's the subject of a documentary. She was the subject of a long radio series before becoming her own host of a podcast and radio show here. And uh, she's wonderful. She's got more books on the way. Uh, without further ado, uh, and by the way, uh, we just passed Memorial Day, and uh, we, of course, uh, hearts go out to uh, everyone who's ever lost uh, someone uh, in, in the military fighting for just cause and, and all those families as well. So God bless them and, and the ones we lost. Uh, Doc, how are you? Well, I'm a little out of breath, but I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, you don't. You don't take the slow and easy way around. You're constantly doing something. And, uh, you know, I think it's a big part of, of staying young. And at 89 years young, I mean, uh, it's not a bad idea to stay active. That's for sure. That's right. <laughs> and you should I know you're busy constantly, so uh, you're doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like it personally. I like being busy. When I'm not busy, I'm bored, and I don't mm -hmm. like to be bored, and uh, uh, it's great. But we just we just passed a very sacred holiday, and I think it sometimes gets lost in the mix of, of how sacred this holiday is and, and how solemn uh, it started out to be. Of course, it turns into, you know, some fireworks and, and some picnics and, you know, uh, dinners and, and all kinds of things, which is what it should be. But, uh, you know, let us not remember uh, or, or let's not let us not forget uh, the ones who we lost because of that, uh, all these wars and uh, and the heroic figures that we've lost because of it. Yes, indeed, and uh, that's exactly what I'm going to talk about. Um, actually, uh, I want to talk about not just Memorial Day, but also Veterans Day and Red Poppy Day. All three are separate, <laughs> although red poppies are often worn on Memorial Day and Veterans Day, as they should be. Um, but um, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about how I normally celebrate uh, Memorial Day to begin with. Um, my family's cemetery is in the Sacramento Mountains, which are in New Mexico. And it is a 500-mile drive from San Antonio, Texas being the huge state that it is, and New Mexico not being too small itself. And up in the mountains, there is an area that belonged to my grandfather for a while. Um, he was the man who founded the New Mexico Military Institute. He founded it in a building that had been the Putnam School before, and uh, he transformed it. He went to Santa Fe, which is the capital of New Mexico, which is New Mexico, United States, for all you who think it's old Mexico, <laughs> south of the border. <laughs> and, and that happens, that mistake happens often enough that the New Mexico license plate says New Mexico, USA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, people, the United... Our people in the United States are are increasingly ignorant, I'm afraid, yeah. uh, of geography and history and many other things as well. And they they don't even know uh, who what what the United States consists of in the way of states, such as New Mexico, <laughs> for instance. <laughs> of course, everybody's heard of Texas. Uh, the Texans themselves see to that. Uh, anyway, so. <clears throat> so I drive up into uh, the Sacramento Mountains, and uh, it's close to a town called Cloudcroft, which may be familiar to people. Cloudcroft is around 9,000 feet in elevation, uh, and the cemetery is in Johnson Canyon, which is named for my grandmother's family, what? the Johnsons. Um, and... Uh, it was my grandfather who gave the property to the church, the Methodist church, I believe it was, uh, to uh, have a cemetery in Johnson Canyon. It is now a cemetery open to any and everybody, and the area that should be reserved for our family 
who are the founding uh, people there, buried there, uh, it should be um, marked off and inviolate. But as a matter of fact, graves um, are encroaching on it. So I may not, there may not be room for me by the time, by the time I to be buried there. Uh, in this case, um, uh, the um, uh, <clears throat> uh, I, I uh, am unable right now to uh, to go there to take care of the graves. Five hundred. Uh, it's a couple mile round trip, uh, and uh, so therefore it takes uh, a good effort and an overnight stay. So uh, in Cloudcroft. Uh, so it's rather expensive and certainly time-consuming and, and needs uh, an able-bodied person, which I normally am, but I have just had my right hip removed and replaced, uh, and so I could not do that this year, and I expect the weeds are growing tall in the uh, in the uh, edging, Johnson, Edgington, Weinberg uh, plot there um, by now. Um, now, going back to Memorial Day. Memorial Day is for men, uh, mostly men, uh, who were killed in battle during our wars, our many wars. And my father fought in World War II, as did my husband. Um, but he did not, my father did not die on the battlefield. He was wounded in the Battle of the Bulge. And I'm going to get around to talking about the Battle of the Bulge, uh, along with talking about the various memorial days for, uh, for our men killed or injured in battle or who simply served in battle or served in the Army, our air uh, and Navy um, as well. Uh, my father didn't um, uh, didn't die for 11 years after the war was over. He was wounded in the stomach, and and that wound would not heal, regardless of what they could do for him at the time. And he died in 1996. Um, By so the way, Doc, took him, you know, just to yeah. just to say something, uh, that's a battle uh, a fatality. Your father, it just happened 11 years later. I mean, he, he received those those wounds in battle and uh, he clearly uh, clearly is a, um, a it's an unusual case. But that is uh, that's that's a death from battle. Yes, yes, it was certainly a death from battle, but not in battle. So, and uh, since his death certificate uh, <clears throat> said he died of pneumonia, uh, because he died of starvation. Actually, he could not digest his food properly; it barely got enough to keep him alive for eleven years. Uh, but during that time, he took a doctorate in education. He was an, a civil engineer and had a master's, uh, an MS degree in in uh, engineering. Uh, but he went back and got a BA, MA, and doctorate of education and became president of a small junior college and was president for two years before he died. But <clears throat> he, too, was somebody who believed that you, in order to enjoy your life and put in 100% of effort into it, you have to be busy. And he certainly was getting all those degrees um, and doing a lot of other things as well. Uh, he ran <clears throat> the Kansas City Boys uh, Club. <clears throat> Excuse me. He ran the Kansas City's uh, Kansas City Boys Club for a couple of years in there uh, just to make some money on the side. But then. When he died, the death certificate said he died of pneumonia, and therefore the Veterans Administration refused to um, pay my mother the pension that she was due uh, for a man who died of wounds incurred in battle. We fought that. We wrote senators. We did, uh, we did handsprings and backward flips, and nothing worked. Uh, and uh, when my mother was already 
she already had dementia. She was already in her late 80s at that time. Uh, when we moved to San Antonio, and we went out to Fort Sam Houston, um, where uh, uh, where um, uh, my dad had uh, given his deposition to the Army Board of Medical Examiners in order to retire from the Army, same place, and in that same place, they again denied uh, my mother any money from the government for my father's service and death in um, in defense of his country. Uh, so that that was uh, that was a downer in this whole thing. Um, but then they, uh, <clears throat> Congress changed the law so that if a, if a doctor, a physician, would certify that he died uh, uh, from uh, causes incurred during uh, World War II or any of the other wars. Uh, then uh, my mother could get some money. So she got $94 a month <laughs> for several, yeah, yeah, for several months until she died. Uh, and so that's how the Veterans Administration has been working. It actually worked against the veterans in many ways. It was trying to save money. Uh, <laughs> and so we have a kind of bittersweet feeling about, <clears throat> about how, the, how our country uh, treated its veterans. And, and as a matter of fact, the veterans are still not being treated quite right. There are many homeless veterans out there that are not uh, in Texas. Uh, we don't have Medicaid here in Texas, um, which would help. Medicare, Medicaid, no Medicaid. So the poor of Texas um, and poor veterans who live here uh, are on the streets without support, hmm. without insurance. Uh, anyway, so... Um, so as as I was saying, Memorial Day uh, was formerly Decoration Day in the United States, and I am old enough to remember when it was Decoration Day, uh, honoring those who died in the nation's wars. It was started during the American Civil War, uh, when the citizens placed flowers on the graves of the ones who'd been killed in battle. And there are at least half a dozen uh, places that claim to be the birthplace of Decoration Day, now Memorial Day. Um, after World War I, the day uh, became, um, that's when the, uh, the day became honored uh, and um, observed in honor of those who had died in all U.S. wars, not just the Civil War. And its name at that point, after World War I, was changed from Decoration Day to Memorial Day. Uh, and okay, so I'm not that old. Uh, being born, <laughs> being born in 1933, that was my error. Uh, but uh, as, since se se 1971, it's been observed on the last Monday in May. And a number of southern states still keep up a separate Memorial Day. Uh, for those who died in the uh, in the Civil War uh, on the on the Confederate side, so um, on Memorial Day uh, there is a laying of a wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington National Cemetery. That's one uh, ceremony that takes place every year. And of course, flags and insignia and flowers are placed on the graves of the veterans in local cemeteries. And if I were up there in Johnson Canyon near Cloudcroft in the Sacramento Mountains, I would have put flags um, on my on um, my father's grave and another one for my husband, whose ashes have been scattered off the cliff, uh, the 9,000 foot cliff uh, overlooking the Tularosa Valley, where I was born down there in the town called Alamogordo. And the view from that cliff is absolutely spectacular. And my husband 
Kurt Weinberg uh, loved that view and took various photographs of it. He was a good photographer. So I scattered his ashes off that cliff. But I, uh, I went and gathered some soil where I had scattered the ashes uh, on the lip of the cliff and, uh, and buried them with my uh, father's ashes. Uh, and my mother's, by the way. I, I buried both of their ashes to get all three, uh, if you count the handful of soil that I uh, suspect had a few ashes in it. Okay, so enough for Memorial Day. Then there is, um, this is a, um, a day which I, as a child, confused with Memorial Day, and it was called Armistice Day. And this is the one that was changed in my lifetime from Armistice Day to, um, to what is it called now? Let me see. Um, let's see, Veterans Day. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's also known as, was known as Remembrance Day, um, and now it's known as Veterans Day. Uh, and it is is commemorated on the 11th of November. And it uh, was to uh, remember the armistice, which was the peace uh, accord signed between the Allies. Actually, it was the ceasefire because the peace accord wasn't signed until later. But the ceasefire was signed between the Allies of World War I and Germany. Uh, it took uh, the the signing took the ceasefire took place in France, uh, and it was on the eleventh. It was the eleventh hour of the eleventh day of the eleventh month, and so it is still uh, celebrated on the eleventh day of the eleventh month. And it is uh, it's a national holiday in most of Western Europe as well as uh, in the United States and Canada. So oh. um, uh, in Canada, I believe it's known as Remembrance Day. That's where that happens. Otherwise, it's known as Veterans Day. And then there's Red Poppy Day, which was something that was started by the American Legion and is still... It's had a separate day to be celebrated, but I think now uh, people can buy and wear red poppies, which are the European color for wild poppies. Here in the United States, they're all orange, and they grow in California. Uh, anyway, uh, we can still buy and wear red poppies on Memorial Day, as well as Armistice Day. So that is my story about that. But I want to talk about the battle in which my father received his deadly wound, and that was the Battle of the Bulge. Mm -hmm. And um, he was attached as an engineer with his company. Uh, he was a captain of a company, and a company is somewhere between 84 men and 100, 150 or so. Um, and he was attached to Eisenhower's uh, uh, Shafe, S-H-A-E-F, uh, and the insignia for Shafe uh, uh, is hanging in what was my mother's bedroom here in my home. Uh, it uh, stands for Supreme Headquarters Allied Expeditionary Force, uh, and it was a a joint effort between England, the uh, Brits, and us to carry out the invasion of Western Europe. And Dwight D. Eisenhower was, uh, of course, the general, the United States Army general, who was appointed the Supreme Allied Commander. And uh, the one story that that my father tells about his experiences was a positive story of how when he was uh, lighting 
um, the city of, of Reims, actually, he wasn't writing, lighting, restoring lights and the, the electricity in the whole city, but he was lighting the Episcopal Palace that Eisenhower was taking over as headquarters at the moment in Reims, R-E-I-M-S. Uh, and he noticed that the cathedral uh, was also, of course, dark like the rest of the city and that people were going to mass carrying candles. And he went to the priest, asked him if uh, he could use a, uh, a generator because uh, he had, my father ha happened to have an extra. And the priest, of course, was thrilled. And so he taught the priest how to use the generator and then he wired the cathedral. He and his company, members of, uh, wired the cathedral uh, in order to um, to accommodate that electrical um, uh, juice coming from the generator. And um, many, many years later, um, I went to Reims just to tour the cathedral that he had done that for. Uh, and I got there at the moment in which a concert was being held in uh, in order to celebrate the new wiring and the new lighting system that had just been installed. And, and so I felt as though somehow uh, there, there was an unknown tribute to my father in that, because I think the wiring that he and his company uh, placed in that cathedral was the one that they had just revised and put in new 20, 20th century, because this was just before the turn of the century, new 20th century uh, electrical lighting and and the uh, uh, the light fixtures that uh, went along with that. And that was on the way to um, they were still driving the Nazis out of France at that point, and they got to the um, uh, got into Belgium, and there were, I think it was eighty. It was an eighty-nine mile front in the Ardennes forest in Belgium. And the Ardennes region covers, as I said, an 89-mile front. And uh, there were only four American divisions to defend 89 miles. And two of the divisions had, were, were green. They had never fired a shot. And two were recovering from the battle uh, that my father was, of course, involved in. He always was in the forefront of the battle because he was rebuilding bridges and doing things like that so the rest of the army could pass pass through. And so he was constantly, he and his company were constantly under fire. So anyway, uh, Hitler had uh, the idea that if he could break through a weak point and that weak point was the Ardennes, uh, and then move northeast to take uh, the port city of Antwerp. Uh, the Allies, without that port, would have had difficulty in resupplying for their final push toward Berlin. And so that, with that strategic uh, position secured, he believed he could negotiate terms with the Allies and avoid an unconditional surrender, and so he could continue the war with Russia and the East. So uh, they attacked, uh, and it was January. Uh, actually, it was December, late December, and it lasted a month, so from December into January. Um, actually, December 16th, I see uh, here. Uh, so there was a thick mist blanketing the mountains, and the Ger German fighting force numbered 200,000 men and 1,000 tanks that were launched in a full attack on the unsuspecting allies. And in those days, communications were poor enough that no uh, inkling of this attack had, had filtered through to the allies. So... These, these, uh, uh, 
these uh, men uh, on the front were totally surprised. Uh, not only that, the Germans had in their advanced forces, they had uh, 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 Nazi soldiers dressed in American captured uniforms. And they were soldiers who had spent time in the United States and could speak English without a, a noticeable accent. And there were plenty of American soldiers who had uh, come from Europe and went to war like my husband, uh, went back to Europe uh, to, to fight, and they had uh, noticeable accents. So there were plenty of men in American uniform with accents. So that was no sure way of telling the difference. And so uh, many men were simply shot by these uh, advanced forces who were posing as Americans and scouting ahead of the of the all-out attack. The temperature in the in that region during the that month of battle uh, plunged to minus four degrees Fahrenheit. That's twenty degrees centigrade, and uh, far far below freezing. And so many soldiers who uh, who died died of uh, they froze to death died of hypothermia, and uh, they were crippled by frostbite and trench foot, uh, and the medics ran out of supplies, and so amputations had to be performed with kitchen knives and cognac as the only only anesthesia. So. Uh, when they when things were were at their worst for the Americans, then the field commander on the Nazi side issued an official call for surrender, and uh, there was a general named Anthony McAuliffe of the 101st Airborne who replied with one word, nuts. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> he also wrote a four-page, no, it was a two-page response to the German command, uh, commander of the German order. Uh, but uh, the formal letter um, was was shelved in history anyway for that single word, nuts. <laughs> and. <laughs> And the 101st Airborne and the other uh, veterans like my dad and his company held out long enough for the skies to clear of the mists and the first supply drops came from Allied bombers. And George, uh, George Patton, General George Patton, had turned his 350,000-man army north, and he punched through the German flank and, be, and uh, relieved the uh, 101st Airborne and the others to turn the tide of the Battle of the Bulge. So by January 13th, so it started on the 16th of December and went through the 13th of January. Uh, and they, uh, the Allies had fully repelled the Germans and they ironed out the bulge on the Western Front. <clears throat> but a very high price was paid in that battle. Uh, the Americans paid, uh, there were 19,000 U.S. soldiers killed. There were 47,500 wounded, like my dad. And more than 23,000 simply went missing. So we presume they were killed also, 23 more to add 23,000 more to add to the 19,000. And it is estimated, we don't know, nobody knows for sure, but it's estimated that the Germans lost 100,000 soldiers who were killed, wounded, or went missing in action as a result of Hitler's final gamble. And so that is that is my focus, <laughs> my individual focus on Memorial Day. Mm. Uh, so I think of that and think of the suffering of the men and that struggle that almost succeeded for Hitler, but at last did not. Do you know uh, uh, Tom Brokaw um, wrote a book, bestseller, called the greatest generation and yes. those, those are the men 
and women that uh, that he was talking about. Uh, but again, here on Memorial Day, uh, we're talking about Memorial Day. We're mostly talking about men, certainly in World War II. But <clears throat> let's not forget the uh, the women at home and uh, and the women that were you know the women on the battlefield as nurses and um, <clears throat> and and different things during you know different parts of uh, of several wars there. So, um, but. He, he called them the greatest generation because they lived through the Depression and they li lived through, you know, World War II. And actually, they, uh, they, they lived uh, uh, for a time uh, through World War I. But the greatest generation, it's, it's almost hard to argue that, uh, that, that uh, claim. Uh, it really was some, uh, you know, these, these were men that went to, to fight at 18 years old. And there were, mm -hmm. I'm sure there were 18 year olds fighting in the Battle of the Bulge or. Uh, Absolutely. Yes, know. there certainly were. And uh, fighting yeah. there. And if you if you knew an 18 year old now and, and you thought, boy, he's going to go over and he's going to he's going to stop Hitler. You know, it would be a very scary, uh, scary thought. But those uh, those men, those young men were uh, cut from a different cloth. And, uh, you know, and who knows uh, what somebody is is capable of doing um that they uh that we just don't know uh until they're given that opportunity but they were given that opportunity and uh you know so the next time if you're listening the next time you're you're chuckling at the uh the little man um with the round belly uh with the veterans hat vfw hat uh who's in his 80s that um uh, you know that 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 man uh, was once a young man, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> fighting to end Nazism and, and to really to save save the world as we know it. And I don't think I'm minimizing uh, that. I mean, if Hitler would to, were to have succeeded, uh, what a different world we'd have. Yes, you're absolutely right uh, in all what you, what you just said. And the other thing that is so interesting is that although there were Nazi sympathizers uh, in America first, it was called, the movement was called America first yet, <laughs> and they were friends of Hitler, uh, and Lindbergh was one, um, and there were some, there were others, Henry, Henry Ford, Ford was another. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was very prominent, and uh, he was also a violent anti-Semite who published a very, a, uh, an edition of, of the uh, Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is one of the worst possible um, uh, slanders and libels uh, of, of the Jews, uh, which is totally fictitious and, uh, uh, and was created for the purpose of of causing of arousing hatred and fear of the Jews, and certainly has done that. And and lo and behold, it's out again right now among people on the far right of the Republican Party, and other people who are independents, but far far right, um, fascist, uh, authoritarian uh, um, people. Uh, if there were, and who, who honor Hitler, by the way. And there's also a neo-Nazi movement. But in spite of all that, uh, the American resolve and of, of the people who went to fight uh, in World War II was remarkable. The patriotism and the self-sacrifice of those men uh, is something that should certainly be celebrated and continue to be celebrated forever through, through our future um, history will not forget them, I'm sure. But the problem is right now uh, that young people don't really have that kind of a crisis and that kind of a cause to live up to. I'm sure that the majority would do so just as they did in World War II. And we had a very fine leader in uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt as our president who with great resolve, um, led us in, in that war, along with our allied, um, <clears throat> the allied presidents and uh, premiers and so on. Uh, and so, so it was a fine unified battle uh, that we fought. And as a child, 
<clears throat> I had no doubt what was right and what was wrong and where I stood in, in my attitudes towards uh, politics and my country. And I'm still the same way, I'm afraid. I'm stamped forever with, with the uh, love of country and, my, and patriotism, just as I was when I was 10 and 12. Yeah, yeah, right. Just, wow. Uh, <coughs> I, I thought about this whole concept uh, the other day I saw a quote, and I'm, uh, you know, hopefully I won't, um, I won't butcher it too badly. But uh, they basically said uh, those who could could convince you of absurdities could convince you to commit atrocities. And, yes. You know, and I I thought, you know, that's that, that's a modern thought, and this was said by Voltaire, um, you know, and uh -huh. of course in the late 1700s. And uh, the 18th century, he was one of the, the great Enlightenment, uh, as you know, uh, philosophers, French philosophers. Uh, you know, I usually think of uh, Voltaire, Diderot, and Rousseau in the same group. Uh, mm -hmm. He said that, and you could use that quote today, and, uh, and, and quite frankly, it fits. It certainly does fit. And uh, for years now, not just lately, <laughs> uh, with the suit... Uh, against Fox News. Um, I have said that Fox News was a propaganda agent and was telling lies to the American people and was, uh, and I lamented over and over again that the, it was the only station that was being played in the stores and groceries and, and cafes uh, that I went into here in Texas. <clears throat> I don't know whether uh, the other point of view uh, that uh, CNN uh, espoused, but but lukewarmly, I'm afraid, um, and, C and MSNBC and so on. Uh, I just don't know that uh, they were even heard by by uh, Texans as a whole. They had no idea of the other side of the story, and even during this trial which they lost, uh, they did not broadcast any news about it. And so it came as a surprise that they had to pay $17 billion, 17 plus, um, for defamation and, and telling lies. And people are still listening to Fox News right now as I speak. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I, I thought of that quote, uh, and I kind of applied it in, mentally to uh, January 6th, um, yes. which was yes. treasonous. That was an atrocity that was committed there, and it, it's because they were convinced that that an election had been stolen from them, which is the absurdity. I mean, there was no stolen election, and, um, you know, even, uh, you know, people close to President Trump, Lindsey Graham, um, who was, who's been an apologist for, for Trump for the four years that he was there, which is ironic because he was the best friend of of uh, John McCain, who, you know, Trump yes. was very disrespectful to. Um, but Lindsey Graham, uh, uh, you know, came out and said, uh, he said, look, uh, the, the Trump people, he, he, and, and he, he qualified it by saying, look, I voted against uh, Biden. He said, I didn't want Biden. I desperately didn't want Biden to be the president. I wanted President Trump to, to be reelected. Um, but the Trump people told me we have we have, uh, uh, you know, 100,000, uh, you know, uh, fraud, uh, you know, uh, examples of fraud or something like that. And he says, well, show them to me. Great. And they didn't. He said, all right, well, show me 10,000. Uh, they didn't show him 10,000. He said, show me 1,000. And they couldn't show me 1,000. And I said, show me 100. Can you show me 100? They couldn't show me. And then I said, just show me one. Just show me any 10, one, whatever. And they, they couldn't show me. And he said, he said, people, I, I don't, this is Lindsey Graham, Republican senator, you know, uh, very close to Trump, saying this. He said, people, uh, there, there was no fraud in this election. It's, it's you know, basically, it's, I'm paraphrasing, but it's absurd. It's absurd. And, um, and, and again, still those people would convince of that. And six people died uh, from that treasonous act. I mean, complete treasonous yes. act. And also those people I know because I went down. That night, I went down and I was among those those people. They were celebrating. They thought they were throwing tea in the Boston Harbor. 
They thought they were patriots. They thought they were, yes. they were doing something, you know, noble. Uh, they didn't understand that this was a disgrace. Well, you know, one of our big, I think, I, historically, hopefully, we look back and we're, we're ashamed of that. Um, and by the way, the same way we should be ashamed of the, the men and women that spit at the Vietnam veterans as they were coming back. I mean, look, mm-hmm. it was a bad war. There's no doubt about it. It was a war we shouldn't have been involved in. Uh, but those men, and mostly men, they they went over there uh, as not as volunteers. They were drafted, and they went over yeah. and they did their they they did their patriotic duty. What they thought, and when they came over here, I mean, there's a a famous example of uh, a man uh, being in a New York City cab, and uh, and he says, you know, I just got back from Vietnam, and the cab driver said, so what? You know, I mean, yeah. there, there's no mm-hmm. other war that uh, that that would have been. Um, That's right. Exactly. Yeah. That was that was such a shame. The whole thing. Yeah. So I mean, I, mean, I want to, I want to go back to uh, January sixth. Please, uh, yes, please. Uh, uh, this picture, I saw it only once, and it was the live news reel that was being taken as the attack was going on, and people were already chanting, "Hang man, uh, hang." Um, Mike Pence yeah. and and had set up a gibbet with with the uh, uh, the noose hanging from it and so on and next to it stood about I would judge he was probably eighteen maybe maybe twenty uh, a very slight pretty pretty young woman dressed as Lady Liberty perfectly imitated crown torch and everything, torch race. And there she stood with a great big Q on her breast oh that covered her chest and her, her stomach. Uh, and I thought, this woman, this young woman, believes that this is a sacred cause that these people are upholding here. They're trying to keep the nation from being taken over by tyrants, and um, they, that the election has been stolen, and the, the process uh, going on of counting the votes is a hoax, and so on. This woman uh, it, it has gone to all of this trouble to make this costume and to appear. Oddly enough, although this was an allegory of the effect of propaganda. Uh, it was never shown again. I never saw that that uh, uh, shot of this this young woman again, although I found it to be, as I say, an allegory for what was going on there. Among the people who were persuaded, there were a lot of people who knew better and who were the leaders and perpetrators of that atrocity. But there were many as you said already, who believed that they were doing the right and only possible thing. Stop this before it goes too far, because the tyrants are taking over. Amazing. Great point. And uh, by the way, uh, we should also point out that that John Wilkes Booth, uh, uh, what did he say, six semper, uh, semper, a tyrannus, meaning uh, thus always de- death to tyrants, and uh, you know this. He did this as he shot and uh, you know eventually killed the greatest president this country's ever had, and he thought he was he thought he was doing something patriotic, John Wilkes. Yes, and uh, just you know atrocities because he was he was um, he was convinced of absurdities that somehow or another that this the southern states uh were on the right side of this i mean they were mm-hmm. th- this was this was a war about slavery i mean uh uh you know let's you know and i gotta i don't want to get too far off off track but i mean it's it was about preserving the union and by the way if that pres- if we did not preserve the union if we did not preserve the union there is a chance there is a chance that uh, if we, you know, if we would have gotten through World War One the first way, and and Hitler was created by basically by the first world war and by uh, by what um, 
uh, what was a terrible uh, the the, the the what is it the Treaty of Paris right uh, uh, the terrible uh, uh, you know uh, harsh treatment of the the Germans which probably led to pave the way for for Hitler uh, would yes, would yeah. other mm-hmm. a, a southern southern country a confederacy of the united states would have split united states is there any chance that the confederacy would have would have sided with hitler or or one uh, insist on staying out and i don't know that half of our country would have been enough to uh, to to stop hitler and to stop the, the japanese at the same time so i mean it's uh, you know the absurdities that that we believe aren't over by by a long shot and um, and and it and it really does have an effect, and I think it is appropriate to bring up at uh, at, at a time like this uh, when uh, uh, these great men of ours uh, stopped stopped Hitler. I mean, without the United States, God knows what would have happened to Winston Ch- Churchill. Was a great leader and and a man for that moment, no question about it. Uh, but all of that said, without the United States and the and the reinforcements and the rejuvenation of the United States. Um, you know this uh, th- this Memorial Day uh, might have been you know many things might have been said in German rather than uh, rather than <laughs> in English uh, and or France uh, certainly in in France I don't know that the France the French uh, language uh, would be as prominent as it is now if it wasn't for the United States getting involved and mm-hmm. and those mm-hmm. great men right. stopping the war like your father uh, like your father who died from battlefield wounds. I mean, let's, let's face it, shame on the Veterans um, uh, uh, Administration for, uh, for not giving your mother, I mean, $94 is a joke um, a month, even back <laughs> when she got it, uh, but shame on them for, for doing that. And by the way, the suicide, and I, I, I know there's a lot to lay, but the suicide rate among veterans is sky mm-hmm. high and unacceptable. Uh, we we forget the second the, we treat them great when they're in in uh, in outfit and in uh, uniform. As soon as those uniforms are taken over, we, we look at them as bums on the street and 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 they're treated as as dirt rather than uh, than heroic figures. And and we have to uh, we have to stop that. Exactly. Yeah, the problem is that they're just no longer recognized once they take off their uniforms. Right. Yeah, it's really a very sad, sad situation, uh, which must be. And I, I think someone like Biden might be um, amenable to to making changes there, but the Veterans Administration has has a very bad history, and also only recently have veterans hospitals been brought up to snuff, because for the longest time uh, they were um, they were uh, poorly staffed and poorly run and poorly supplied. Uh, and my father, when when he made his deposition to the Army Board of Medical Examiners here in San Antonio at Fort Sam Houston, uh, he um, uh, he was told, uh, "You can either have an operation in which we will take your stomach out and hook your esophagus up to your small intestine." Uh, and a pouch will form in the top of the small intestine uh, so your food can be uh, semi-treated there uh, and then passed on through the digestive system. And you have a 50-50 chance of surviving the operation. Or you can go with nature's way and you will have 10 years. (laughs) And so my my father said, "I'll I'll take the 10 years. Thank you very much. Because he knew that the veterans' hospitals were under were under par, far under par, and he did not trust them to operate on him. Uh, he probably figured he'd get an infection and die of that right away. Uh, so, or it simply wouldn't work because it was a, a new operation at the time. Interesting. In- Interestingly enough, we uh, in Rochester, the head of the physics department, uh, was, had had that operation and had survived. So it could be done. It could be done, and it did work. But I'm sure he had to have had a special diet in order to survive, and probably special medications as well. 
for the rest of his life. But he he was a flying uh, specimen of a man uh, who had fought in World War II. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, no, he did not see that. No, no, I, my, um, I took my doctorate in 19, uh, uh, well, I had it completed in 1967 in the fall and got a job uh, at a college there in Rochester, apart from the University of Rochester. And so I had completed one year when I walked across the stage at commencement uh, for the University of Rochester and received my sheepskin <laughs> certifying that I had my doctorate, but uh, I already uh, had been declared a PhD uh, in the fall before that, so in 1967. And it was only in the spring of 1968 that I got the proof. Uh, amazing. Yeah, just uh, your, 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 your father was a heroic figure, as was your, your husband. You, you had two great men in your life. I sure have, yes. Well, yes. And I, I guess to, uh, to everyone who, who had great men in their life and, uh, lives and, they've, um, and they dedicated their lives to us, to, to strangers and, and uh, uh, Americans, uh, you know, we, we can't thank you enough, the families, the Gold Star families and uh, everyone else, and they, they've never been <laughs> treated um, with the proper respect, but I mean, they, they really, um, we, uh, we, we have to remember, we have to remember these men uh, and, you know, and women, but, uh, but you know, for the most part, in that, that war, we, we think of men. Uh, any final thought on, on uh, Decoration Day? Uh, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, uh, a great subject, Doc. Yes, well, uh, my my thought is that we do have me a means of remembering the veterans, but we, uh, as as you have said, and I have also said, uh, once they're out of uniform. Uh, we treat them like dirt, as if they had suddenly ceased to be veterans because they weren't wearing the right clothes. How ironic can you be? <laughs> but uh, but uh, perhaps we can do better in the future. Yeah, amen. Uh, Doc, thank you very much. And to everyone out there, um, we hope you had a, a, a healthy, happy holiday weekend. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. You've been listening to the Florence Weinberg Show. Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg is our host each and every week. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on the Florence Weinberg Show. <laughs>